Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles, Brian McElfresh, and Doug Gravely. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? It's time for the Week 9 Podcast for CFB Dynasty. My name is Matt Knowles. As always, I'm here with the founder and the creator of CFB Dynasty, Brian McElfresh, and some dude that we picked up on the side of the road and we haven't been able to figure out where to drop him off at Goodwill, Mr. Doug Gravely. Brian, Doug, how are you guys doing today? Getting ready for Week 9. I'm I'm excited, man. I'm so glad you built me up before every show. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm I'm in such a critical matchup with Doug, where it's basically going to be me or him in the home league that get in the playoffs. While you walk in, uh, or skip in, or whatever the whatever you do, um, and then Dillingham's going to be in. Uh, the top three are pretty much locked, so it's going to be me or Doug that's disappointed. And I sat 47 point Salter last night. In my crucial double header this week, so I'm not happy. So, about so, that. so, so, BMAC, Doug, I've got a question for you. You guys both profess that you know a lot about football, right? You know uh, a lot about the rules of football. Um, when you're watching the game, you you know what's happening. So, so I've got a a a quiz question for you. If a receiver goes to run a quick slant. And the DB puts his hands around your waist before you make your cut. Then once you make your cut, he grabs onto your jersey and about rips your shirt off for 15 to 20 yards and never lets go. And then the ball hits you in the hand while he's doing this. Is there a penalty on the play? Doug, what is your answer? It just depends on if the receiver was falling over or not. Maybe he was trying to help him up. (laughs) Um, No. uh, Yeah, for sure. That's a a hold all day. Um, I don't know. Why well, not so fast, my friend. Not so fast, my friend. Here is a screenshot from last night. Liberty versus Western Kentucky. This happened for 15 to 20 yards across the field. The referees throw the flag. They confer. They come back and say there is not holding. To which the announcers literally laugh at the fact that they picked the flag up. This was a two-point conversion play that while Western Kentucky was down, it still could have changed the outcome of the game. So obviously we could talk about the insanity that happened to the NFL this past weekend. Absolutely atrocious calls in multiple games. Um, some of them near and dear to my heart. But the question I have for both of you guys is, do you think there's a problem with officiating right now? And if so, what would you do to take a step towards helping to fix that issue? BMAC, Make what them- you got? Make them full-time employees because there's plenty of money to go around. End oh, of meeting. That's solid. Bam. Bam. And and accountability after the game. Coaches are available. Players are available. Make, Make rest available. Yep. I think uh, from my from my point of view, I I like something that was done. I'm not sure if it's the Uf, USFL or XFL this past year, or it could have been both. That every play at any time is challengeable for any reason. The coach has his challenge flag. He can challenge anything. He could challenge if a guy was lined up offside. He could challenge if this is this pass interference, is this holding? Um I think that and I think it I think it would probably be easier in the pros because you have one central office in New York and college there's so many conferences. But I feel like there needs to be more involvement from technology from eyes in the sky they need to be able to go back to the crew and be like dudes this is not a judgment call this is a textbook this is holding this was done for 15 to 20 yards across the field the guy never let go of his shirt um you've got to call that holding call that's what i would do what about you doug uh i mean i like the uh the accountability aspect after a game making a ref available um I don't know about reviewing every every play. One sounds like a long, extremely long. (laughs) And two, you could ultimately have. There's ultimately a penalty on every single play that's run. Um, So I don't know if they'd ever get a clean playoff, to be honest. But um, I think refs have to be better. But I think holding them accountable, like you would anybody else, uh, is something that needs to be done. And yeah, I know. That make yeah. them full time, and that is what they do. They get paid to study 
like game tape and be like, "Ooh, I, I messed up here. I I failed here." I yeah, you know. just pay them. Just pay them. There's plenty of money to go around. Make them full time. Make them accountable, and then um, yeah, I, I it's pretty simple to me. Yeah, it's 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 tough because if if my team wins and my team loses, I want to feel like that they won because they won on the field. They lost because they were outplayed. Um, I don't want to feel like the officiating became the third team out there. The officials should be out there to call what happens on the field, not to make stuff up to affect what happens on the field. Um, as a Dolphin fan, if you go back and watch the Dolphins-Eagles game, there was literal headlocks, guys with arms across their throat that were not getting called right on the in the middle of the screen. That changes the uh, the outcome of the game, and that's frustrating because no matter if you win by or you lose by five or lose by 50, you're like, well, what if they would have called that chokehold in the first quarter? Maybe the game goes differently. So yeah. that's my rant when it comes to officiating. And as, as an official myself, I always try to be careful about criticizing officials, but when it's on national TV and it's that egregious, you got to call them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. All right. So why don't we go back and take a look at last week's top standout performances? What do you think? Let's go and do that. Let's do it. Um, man, your boy, let's give you credit right off the jump here, Matt. Your brisket lock was the number one performer of the day. Mm -hmm. Take it away. Yeah, I think uh, Ollie Gordon has become a must start. His last couple of weeks have been out of control as far as the stats go. When we get to uh, later on in the show, when we talk about the rankings. Uh, he is probably one of the biggest jumpers ever in CFB Dynasty history. I think he jumped 49 spots in a single week in the uh, in the weekly rankings. Um, and if you've got Ollie Gordon on your lineup, he needs to stay in your lineup uh, regardless of the matchup until uh, until he proves that he is not that guy. That's my opinion. Depends on the matchup in some scenarios, but yeah, overall, I agree with that. Like, he's just become uh, a must start kind of player. Um, and I think he was in the 20s last week. I think I thought he was, I thought he was at 50, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I think he was 20 to 22 range somewhere in there, but anyways, regardless, it was a heck of a pick and uh. One guy, Doug, that you were talking about that you watched the game last week, Diego Pavia, or Pavia, however you say it, uh, had a great game, 42 points. Uh, although he played last night and didn't have the best performance, 10 of 19, 95 yards through the air and a touchdown. Um, so it was a tough he, he opponent against, last night. against Law Tech. Yeah, Star Thomas goes for 88 last night. But, yeah, Jaden Daniels continues to do his thing. That offense is absolutely incredible. And uh, there's, like, three of the top CFF players in the country. Uh, really thought Mason Taylor would be more involved with all the success that they have. But, uh, man, it's, it's Thomas and, uh, and those boys just killing it. So, um Fatiato goes for 42 Bryson Barnes again uh anybody against USC start him well, Bryson that boy Barnes goes for 41 literally put the team on his back in the he was tough, fourth quarter man. and was like this is how this is going to go <laughs> but but in fantasy yeah it's it's really that simple now if you're playing against USC you treat them just like Kent State <laughs> start them Whoever you got going against that defense, um, yeah. they they have been really ineffective. And, uh, you know, Utah scored like 21 against – no, no, no. They scored seven against Cal, and they scored seven offensive points against UCLA. And then in comes USC. Boom. Let's score 34. Um, <laughs> no problem. Not a big deal. J.J. McCarthy goes for 41. Marquise Irving goes for 41 also. Michael Pratt, you're starting to see a guy who was hurt early on in the year. He's getting healthy. He's in rhythm. Doug's starting up against me. I'm expecting him to have a, a big week this week. He goes for 39 last week. And then Sione Vaki. Former safety. Former a current safety. safety. Well, yeah. Yes, current good. safety. He, he comes out, and he's catching passes, running routes. Uh... Travis Hunter style playing a 
ton of snaps. And then at running back, he was super effective. Like he's got a different level of speed and agility that Utah otherwise doesn't have at running back. And Vaki is awesome. I, I did spend some money to kind of pick him up in a dynasty league just because uh, with that kind of performance, you know, I, I would expect him to potentially make that move to offense or at least he's only he, a sophomore anyways. Right. And he can be really good. Like he was so great offensively. And when I was, I was about to say USC couldn't stop him, but really that's worthless <laughs> words. They can't, stop yeah, anybody. they can't stop anybody. And then Michigan uh, defense goes for 39. Um, we'll see if they can defeat the NCAA though. Yeah. They're getting attacked pretty hard, pretty heavy right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't think I can say enough about Vaki, though. That kid, between him and Barnes, and yes, they played USC, whose defense is atrocious, but those two, you know, they had a connection. They were solid. My question is for both of you, do you think him playing safety helps him at the running back position at all? Oh, well, of course. I mean, like, I, think I think that players are helped. With their offense. Yeah, I, I think absolutely, because if, if you understand the way that the DB is going to be thinking, uh, what his reads are going to be, um, I think that, you know, he's going to be, okay, I'm in the head of the defensive backs. I'm in the head of these guys. I know the gap that they're going to think I'm going to go to. So maybe I'm going to go to another gap. I definitely think having a, an understanding of the other side of the ball, that's just like players that become officials make really good officials because they understand the player's mindset compared to the officiating mindset. So I think it definitely is, is helping him. Yeah, he's just he looked really good, and I applaud you, Brian, for your pickup um, in one of the dynasty leagues on him because he's just a and he's not he's not small by any means. He's a bruiser, so yeah, I think he's a he's a great dynasty pickup for you. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I think I spent in that league. We have a hundred and twenty dollars. I I bid. 50% of my free agent budget on him and spent uh, $40, I think. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I like him for a, a kind of a, a deep roster kind of league. Yeah. All right. So we, we briefly talked about it a little bit, Matt. You want to lead us into some, some reviews? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go to the open review now. We're going to talk about the CFB Dynasty Open League. This is the 2014 league that uh, BMAC made open at the beginning of the season. You've got myself, Doug, Brian, some people from the CFB Dynasty Home League, uh, and some random other people that have decided to join that wanted to get in and have some, uh, have some fun with us. So it's a 24-team league. Every week you have a doubleheader. That way you have a chance to be able to uh, play as many teams as possible. Um Last week was a tough one for me. I was up at the top. I still am there, but I'm I'm in eighth place at nine and seven because Michael Penix Jr. decides he's gonna have his worst game in recent memory. <laughs> Absolutely did terrible statistically. And because of that, I lost both of my games. I'm at nine and seven, but now if you look not too far down the standings, somebody who's moving up because he does not suck. Is BMAC. BMAC is at seven and nine, and he is trying to make a push. Will it will it be enough for him to be able to make a playoff push? I mean, even if he wins out, he's still only going to be eleven and nine. That may not be enough to get to a top spot, but at least he's going to be out of that bottom twenty. That's right. Moving up, you doubleheader wins in a row here. So uh, I've got to keep winning because my start to the season was so bad and pitiful, mm -hmm. thanks to. Uh, some uh, misinformation injury picks that were terrible, and I lost players. But anyways, with some key waiver wire pickups, my, my team is doing well. The one thing that kills me is that I spent all my money thinking that I could still do some free agent pickups, and we can't get that setting right. I haven't looked into it yet, Matt, since you kind of kicked that over to me. I just haven't had a lot of time. But... um. Yeah, that's uh, pretty brutal, but it's, it's I'll get through this week at least. <laughs> I think I think one of the interesting things here too is for the first time all season, Oaktown Five Ten is not 
sitting in the number one spot. He's still tied for the best record, but the first tiebreaker is points. He is now at second. Saucy Dossie has overtaken him. I want to know what's going on in the Oaktown 510 locker room. He has got to be pissed, and he has got to be yelling at his players for dropping out of that top spot. Well, what I can tell you is I played Oaktown this weekend, and fortunately, he had like six players on buys. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, maybe a locker room speech, but I expect him to pick right back up where he left off, especially since a lot of his guys don't have buys anymore. His buys are pretty much over. So, yeah. Uh, so, Doug, did you win your doubleheader last week? I've won oh. two doubleheaders. So you won two doubleheaders in a row, Doug. And but let's let's scroll down. So let's we have let's find Doug in the standings. So Doug, you won two doubleheaders, and you're still at twentieth out of twenty-four. Listen, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. If you think about it, only seven teams have outscored me, fantasy points wise. So, um, kind of like BMAC here, when you see that he's had twenty-two hundred points scored on him, um, <laughs> <Man> Rebel, <laughs> you and and. Brand, Brandwood, yeah. I mean, I'm not. My points is like they're like even for points for and points against. So, I mean, yeah, it's been a it's been a tough year. People like to score against me. What can I say? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Well, this the league screen, has got two double. Has started to come back a bit now. He's four and twelve. Yeah. Carissa, well, this league has I, got two weeks left, two double headers, and. Uh, after that, the top six teams are going to the playoffs. This is what's going to be the basis for having the Champions League next year. Um, if you're somebody that's like, man, this is pretty cool. I wish that I got into this. Just hang tight. Make sure you're watching the podcast in the offseason. And uh, we'll tell you how to get yourself into one of these CFB Dynasty Open Leagues next season. Absolutely. It'll be fun. Um, and we'll, we'll even make it more of a big deal and try and have a website feature next year. Uh, depending on how things are going. I did get the bad news, though, that it does not look like the developer will be done with all those tools we were teasing. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be done really soon or in a way that we can effectively use them this year, which makes me sad. But we're here doing all the manual stuff anyways, so uh, that's all right. Me and Doug and, and Matt will... Uh, carry the torch to those tools already all right so why don't we flip over to our cfb dynasty home league we'll talk about that real quick i know we talked about it a little bit earlier but the cfb dynasty home league this is where it all started this is the guys that if there was no cfb dynasty home league there'd be no cfbdynasty.com podcast there'd be no open league so uh in this league you've got josh speed reed you've got gordy and you've got Mike Davis all sitting pretty at nine and three in this league. Um, they, they're all looking really good to take their divisions with uh, some have two games left. Some have three because we have some, uh, some double headers in this league as well. Um, but the big game, the big game, the game of the week, the national broadcast game this week is the UTSA Roadrunners, AKA Doug versus the ULL Raging Cajuns, AKA BMAC. So BMAC, Doug, who is going to win this game and why? Give me your predictions. I, I made my prediction. I was uh, I made a little Google sheet yesterday and kind of did an estimated uh, score prediction for each player. And I Which think Doug's going to I think Doug's going to win. Just plain and simple. Like I just I think he's got a better squad, better matchups this week. Uh, really tough. Like for me, having you know one of my premier players, Tory Horton, going against the number one past defense and air force so his opportunities will be limited um and uh kind of feel that way it's it's really been a disappointing year in my running back room you know shipley and others that i kind of thought i would rely on to get 20 plus a game uh are more turning out to be like you know 11 12 13 a game so um that's a huge difference difference in my expectations for how this year is going to play out. And it makes me sad. So Doug, do you agree with that though. assessment? Fun. Um, you agree with that yeah. assessment there, Doug? So here's the deal. Anytime Brian bets against himself, uh, he seems to, to pull out a W and I'm kind of nervous about this one um, for the simple fact. And I'll tell you, 
I think uh, Jackson Dart has a chance to go off against Vandy for a lot of points. Um, like like Caden Salter did on my bench? Um, potentially more, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know. I think he's a better a better start. Um, I, I rolled with New Mexico State's defense last night as opposed to Georgia's defense against Florida um, because I think Florida's offense has been so efficient that it kind of scares me a little bit, even if it's a, you know, 17 to 12 win or whatever for whoever. But um, And Georgia's defense has let me down a couple times this year. So I think uh, I would favor myself a little bit, especially – um, we'll get into some news and notes here, but one I'll just go ahead and say Harrison Whaley is expected to play. Um, I know they're playing Boise, but Harrison Whaley is the offensive yeah. one when he plays. It's tough. It, like these two games are tough. Like I could see a path that works out in my favor here. You got Frank Gore at Appalachian State, Harrison Whaley at Boise State. Like uh, I could see a path where it doesn't work out well for you there. Um, but for me, it's going to come down to touchdowns in this matchup where uh, Hood has had a lot of catches heavily involved in the offense, hasn't got a ton of touchdowns. You know, Lacey, when he scores, it's great. He's heavily involved, but he has to score Torrey Horton, you know, going up against a really in a really tough matchup there. If those three are able to score, I think that shifts the way the game is. Um, but I don't have... I don't have, uh, you know, staples that I can rely on. If, if you know, Horton was going up against the Kent State this week, um, I'd be feeling a lot better about my chances. And honestly, it's that simple. It's it's one, yep. can one guy go off and, uh, and we'll and here's, see. Here's the fun question. We kind of talked about this the other day a little bit, and that's the last thing I'll say about it. But could it come down to a kick? Could Trace Max, Max and field goals for me? Like he's been doing since he took over, kick kick one or two fifty yarders against Georgia, and then there it is. All right, Matt, I got a question for you. Here we go. A start. Yeah, man, what you got? We we do this on the Saturday show all the time, Doug and I. So uh, at flex, I've got Xavier Worthy penciled in, Malik Murphy starting at quarterback more than likely for Texas home game against BYU. Um, I could pull up the spread in a sec and show that. But then the other guy on the bench that I'm thinking about would be, oh, the disappointing Will Shipley. Um, and he's playing at your boys of NC State. What do you think there? Well, man, that's tough because NC State has given up a couple of really long runs. I mean, you could see Will Shipley get bottled up for most of the game and then knock out a 69 or an 80 yard touchdown. Uh, I would say this Xavier worthy is probably who I would stick with in the lineup just because uh, one, I picked him in the um, pretty sure I picked him in the, in the DraftKings this week too, because I feel like he's just, he's just a guy that's tough to take out of your lineup. Um, I, I yeah, would leave him because yeah. I feel like, I feel like if you bench worthy and you put, um, Shipley in your lineup and worthy goes off on your bench, I think you're going to be more upset if Worthy goes off on your bench than you are if if Shipley does. So I think I would stay where you're at. I worry a bit about the game script for Worthy. Like, um, obviously, I think he'll be the featured player in the passing game. But do they just go heavy run in a survive and advance kind of thing? While Quinn Ewers is out, are they just going to run um, Brooks and Baxter and Malik Murphy in, a, in like an RPO-style offense? <laughs> until until he comes back that's what they're going to be facing next week when they play at kansas state um i could see the game script you know not working out too well there for worthy but yeah he is hard to hard to sit and and shipley has just been disappointing well it's more probably on that o-line he goes you know against miami 15 attempts for 44 yards and miami does have a pretty good run defense um and then he fumbled going over the goal line there, um, which would have been nice. But, uh, yeah, like he hasn't had a 100-yard game 
That's crazy. Which is which is incredible. That that'll probably stop this week. That'll probably change this week because NC State has been uh been the the salve on the wounds of uh of many a running back this year. Um yeah. But I would still stick with your word. I would stick with Worthy, but that's some pretty solid logic. That sounds like the kind of logic that the guy who is the founder and creator of CFB Dynasty would come up with. Um, before before we leave, before we leave this, let's go back to the standings real quick because we cannot, if we're going to be bringing up the standings, we cannot. I cannot leave without making sure that we bring one other thing up, and that's this. You've got two guys in this league that are huge Florida State fans that are watching Florida State have a a season back to their years of glory. You've got Danny Tucker, a.k.a. Temple, and Sean Howard, a.k.a. Florida State. Danny Tucker and Sean Howard, what is going on, fellas? You guys currently are in 11th and 12th place in the league. Sean Howard doesn't have a win. In the last, if you combine their two records, in the last 19 games, Danny and Sean are 0 and 19. Doug, what word of advice would you give to Sean and Danny to try and help turn those teams around? Well, Sean is just sticking to his game script from the past couple of years um, in college. Um, did he not win a game last year either, if I'm correct? I don't. I think he won. He was game. competing with yeah. Joe for the number one pick again yeah. last year, though. Yeah, I think I think he won. I think he won. I think he won at least um, one. Yeah. So he could have. He could potentially be one in what? Twenty three. Yeah. I mean, um, and Danny, I think, made the playoffs last year. Um, so, like like a lot of teams, uh, <laughs> which has been rough for a lot of us. I know Danny has had red flags all over the place. Been without Ekbuka for a couple games. Um, and then he, again, some draft picks, you know, for, for, for him that we all thought were going to do great. Like Javante oh, Barnes yeah. in Oklahoma hasn't done anything. Um, Ollie Jennings transfers for Virginia Tech. Now he's talking about red shirting. Like these, yeah. you know, a lot of these, I, I think a lot of it is – Kids that played so good and then they transferred to another school and were like, dang. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, the heck I is mean, going you, on? I Here, mean, you look at Danny's roster, question. you look at his, sure, what's up? Uh, as So, we've got one here from Reseller Rick. And again, Matt, we're doing this live every Saturday, just like this, where we're taking plenty of live questions, start, sit. Um, I, I, you reseller Rick's like, Oh, I got a Dunze. I've got Devontae Walker, but he's wow, got what Polk and Victor. On the bench. Yeah. Uh, you How many, is this, a, is this like a four team league? How do you have all those guys on your squad? <laughs> I've, I've talked to him uh, a little bit in the chat and, um, non PPR standard six point touchdown league. He can only start two of these four. You can't sit Tez or a Dunze, I don't think. Like well, as good no. as Hulk and Victor are, like those are two. And he says, "LOL, an eight-team league." <laughs> I mean, that's um, tough because Victor had a day. Yeah, like he was yeah. the target of that offense. Like that's a tough question, but I do agree. Like Tez is, he showed why he's so important, and. Odunze is just Odunze. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree. Those are the kind of guys that if you set them on your bench and they go off, it's your own fault for losing. So, yeah, you can't you can't set those guys. All right. All right. So, I think it's about time. That, that's our, that's our uh, open review and our home review. I think it's about time to switch gears and start looking towards the, the upcoming week. Doug, why don't you take us away? With the news and notes. News and notes around college football. All right. So, uh, news and notes. We'll go through these pretty quick. We got a lot. Um, Cam Rising officially out for the year. Um, in Matt's words, what the junk. Um, I kind of expected that to happen, especially after how Barnes played this week. So, um. <clears throat> yeah, and then we got Xavier Leggett, receiver from South Carolina. He's questionable this week. Their coach really isn't saying much, except for the fact that Antoine Wells for South Carolina is out again. Um, 
So that poor kid. But uh, we feel like we talk about him every Saturday, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got Emeka Egbuka, receiver from Ohio State, is probable to play. So their offense is getting back to form. Everybody seems to be getting healthy. Um, and that because also Travion Henderson is probable to play. Whatever. Said that um, he was supposed to start last week. He dressed last week, but he said he wasn't quite a hundred percent. So I don't know. Um, let's see. Bucky Irving, running back for Oregon, got roughed up in the fourth quarter, which is why we saw uh, James quite a bit in the fourth quarter. But he is probable to play. He seems fine. Kenny Seals is now uh, pretty much the starter at Vanderbilt. So um, bye bye AJ Swan. Bye bye buddy. Um, then we got Nate Noel. Running back, App State, probable to play. Guys, don't bet the over on Nate Noel and get all, <laughs> you know, whiny again, please. Um, and some exciting news. I know Brian has thought a lot about this guy in the past. Uh, Trevante Citizen, running Can back from Miami, started contact at practice this week. So huge news for Miami when he is supposed to be, like, solid. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback at Miami, probable to play. Uh, he did not play last week, and their offense was their offense like they've been doing all year anyway. So then you got Riley Leonard, quarterback at Duke, listed day-to-day again. Uh, don't know if you guys watched the game at all, but definitely did not finish that game against Florida State. Um, Jalen McMillan, wide receiver for Washington, probable to play. Rocket Sanders, my dog, my homie, rehabbing in Dallas. Um, he out again. I don't know if I'll see him again this year or not, to be honest with you guys. Um, Harrison Whaley, running back from Wyoming, probable to play. Mikey Keene, quarterback from Fresno. Status is uncertain. Um, so that's a tough blow for them because he was playing pretty well. Then you've got big time, big George, George Halani, Genty's water boy, uh, <laughs> has returned to practice and is available to play this week. So. Get your hands ready to start running that water out to GT there, buddy. Um, that's probably the most field you're going to see. So, Will Rogers, quarterback from Mississippi State, considered day-to-day. Rasheen Ali, running back from Marshall, for a while was the top running back in college fantasy. Um, is questionable to play again this week. Bryson Barnes for Utah, officially QB1, which is a smart decision by Utah. And then you got Quinn Ewers, quarterback for Texas called week to week with a shoulder injury so malik murphy is taking over as of right now ahead of arch manning um the coach said that they will both be taking first team reps this week though so um ollie jennings receiver from virginia tech i mentioned it he's considering red shirting this year so uh yeah we'll see how that works out johnny wilson receiver for the state will be monitored this week he's questionable grayson mccall quarterback for coastal Progressing well after being released from the hospital on Sunday. Took a pretty ruthless hit to the head in that game, um, which put him in the hospital for a day. So I would imagine it's safe to say that he's doubtful this weekend, guys. And then you got DeCorian Clark, UTSA receiver, also doubtful this weekend again. So that wraps it up for the injury news and notes. All right, so we're going to head on over to uh, the rankings. But before we do, our boy William Dong, one of the guys in the CFB Home League, put a comment in the chat. William, I want you to explain yourself. He says, man, it's weird to listen to you guys at normal speed. Two times chipmunks for the win. (laughs) (laughs) What what, are you talking about, William? All I got to do, I have one word for you, William, and that is praise (laughs) <laughs> all right be back why don't we head over to the rankings for this week yeah yeah let's go so as we lead into the rankings um we can go over some of the guys real quick waiver wire gems this week all right all right so uh you know, Chandler Rogers is out there. Bryson Barnes named the starter. Bryson Barnes is 1% leagues. Too bad he doesn't play US or USC every week. He plays Oregon this week. So while you might have him available, he's not a, a start this week. Uh, Quinn Cooley, couldn't believe it. He's, he had another touchdown, another 17 carries, 90-ish yards. 
Um, only rostered in 23% of leagues. Vaki, we talked about him. 7% of leagues. He's rostered. Javon Baker, dude, looked awesome for UCF in the in the game against Oklahoma last week. And uh, I'd expect him, his confidence to be raised, the, the OC's confidence to be raised in Baker to just get him the rock. And uh, although he's a senior, former transfer from Alabama, only rostered in 18% of leagues, could have a really impactful finish to the season uh, for your fantasy squad. And then Noah Smith killing it for Sam Houston as of late, getting so many targets. Um, He's up to almost 15 fantasy points a game, but like heavy in the last few weeks and only rostered in 16% of leagues. So, I love those guys. We can move along uh, from our waiver wire gems to some streamers real quick. Let's get it. Let's go streaming. All right. So I'll start with my uh, my streamer guys uh, for this wonderful week of college football. Um I've got two. So I went with Nick Anderson, freshman receiver from Oklahoma, who seems to all he does is catch touchdowns. Um, he's got 16 receptions this this year and eight are for touchdowns. I think three this past weekend. Um, he is a uh, a sleeper for, for dynasty leagues in general, I think. If you have a dynasty league, he might be a receiver worth picking up and keeping for the future um, just because – he already uh, seems to be establishing himself as the future potential number one there. And with Jackson Arnold, I don't think their passing game is going to be hurting at all. But uh, then I went with another receiver, Omega Black Blake from South Carolina. With all the injuries at receiver for South Carolina um, and Leggett being questionable, I thought Blake had a pretty nice week this past weekend. Um and I expect him to have another one. So those are my two. I like Malik Murphy a lot as a player. Uh, getting the start for Texas, he's got a real opportunity. A lot of uh, teams went after him uh, after Arch Manning went there. And, you know, Ewers was the starter. A lot of teams were going after Malik Murphy. And for good reason, he's a really great player. Um, strong arm, great on the ground. Interesting to see how they use him this week. You know, we talked about it a little bit um, in a, you know, do you start Xavier Worthy? Do you sit him if you've got a a different option? Uh, How will he be used in the offense? Or will it be more of a run-heavy attack as they are in survive and advance advance mode against BYU? BYU, though, this game is, is home in Austin, Texas. And they're a hundredth against the pass. So I think there's going to be some opportunities and, you know, Sark likes to take some shots and he will with Malik Murphy to kind of alleviate, uh, you know, the box uh, this week. So I like Malik Murphy. He's $7,000 in DFS and um, I'll be talking about him in a little bit. That's in addition to, you know, Javon Baker, Noah Smith, Sione Vaki that we talked about uh, for Utah. So that's it. But now we can really get right into some of the rankings and kind of go over some some questions here. The freaking question that I had to face was Caden Salter against Jackson Dart. And uh, let me get this weird looking uh, guy off the screen here. Yeah, it looks like he, like I said, could play in the movie Grease at this point. But Yeah, how does Florida lose to that quarterback this week? I don't think it can happen. Uh, so, Dart. <laughs> Dart against Salter was my choice. And so I went with Dart and because uh, Salter, you know, they don't throw it a lot. He did only have 15 pass attempts, but he ran for over 100, got a touchdown. And uh, Western Kentucky's defense was terrible, but so is Vanderbilt. So maybe Dart will also have an equally good game. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, anything stand out here? to you guys this week before I ask you a couple questions. There is a quarterback on this list that I like that I actually picked up in our open because I had some buys and I like what Jordan McLeod for JMU has been doing this year. Yeah. So uh, he's, it's kind of cool to see a kid from such a small school in the top 20. 
Yeah, 33 and then 31 points in his last two fantasy games. And uh, they're projected to score 33 this week uh, against a you know, old Dominion team who's 87th against the pass. Um, you got a lot of weird stuff like that. Like McLeod is up there. Aguilar's up there. Castellanos is up there. You know, although he's been doing good, we're not used to seeing Boston Ranger. College quarterbacks up there. You like how much confidence do you have in him to start him, uh, you know, with fantasy playoffs and stuff on the line? Um, yeah, I think to me, the uh, the, the toughest one on here is seeing uh, somebody like Shador, not even in the top 25. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough to and see to see him Frank there. Harris also on your roster is sitting there at 19. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see that Frank Harris is ranked above Shadour. Um, I think I think what happened last night in uh, Western Kentucky was interesting. Yeah, Austin Reed at sixteen, and yes, Liberty is undefeated. But uh, you expected more out of Austin Reed in that game. Austin Reed, I think, if you're a, a Reed uh, a Reed owner and you started him, you're probably disappointed in what his output was. He didn't really do much of anything until the very end of the game. So uh, well, yeah, I think good, he definitely. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he got he got a touchdown pass to Corley at the end of the game. Um, he got he got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but outside of those two fourth quarter touchdowns, uh, he was really having a tough a tough uh, run at it. So, real quick, while we're talking about one of your guys, reseller Rick just posted. Um, it's hard to see, but I'm benching Shitter for John Rice Plumley, and I 100% agree with that decision. Yep. Um, especially with Plumley talking about, I mean, this dude, for some reason, the confidence he's got going to the end of the year is, uh, he seems like a guy that you want to start because he's ready to go. So, um, he, I, it sounds like he's been kind of fighting an injury all along, all along. And now he is officially pretty much a hundred percent. So, so, Real quick, back to Austin Reed for a sec. So, Matt, he he did go for three sixty five and four touchdowns. You're upset about that if you started. Well, well, I guess I, I guess I guess let me say this. Let me let me go back and uh, <laughs> let me go back and and rethink my comment because. Because yes, he did. He did get those scores at the end of the game. Uh, my frustration with Austin Reed was probably because. 10 minutes left in the game. He didn't have half of those stats. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's cool. that I, I, by my mind probably was made up about being frustrated about Austin Reed before the second half of that fourth quarter happened and the controversial penalties. Yep. So not that it matters. Like, you know, Matt could start you at quarterback Doug and still win his matchup this week or matchups. What rather. is that supposed to mean? You guys, you guys you, are setting are me up for failure. Like, You're, very much so unathletic. And no, 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 you guys are setting me up for failure so we can talk about me next week. You're setting you're me up just, for failure. You're just literally going to score zero in college fantasy football this week. I'm just saying that's how easy Matt's going to have it this uh, week. Okay. He's just going right. to be laughing with his legs up. Not for the fact that I'm un unathletic, for the fact week. that I'm not on a team is what you're saying. Would I you start you. Shador? And they're projected to score 23 points this week, which you assume – you know, if that's three touchdowns, he'll be involved in all of them. If not, then you're really sad. Would you start Shador or would you start Frank Harris or Plumley? I absolutely am going to start Shador. I said it earlier in the season. I'm going to start Shador unless he's got a matchup that is, you know, Oregon or somebody like that. Um, I think that the offense is just too dynamic. Obviously, the offensive line there is is a complete farce. Um but I think that Shador has probably got one of the highest ceilings of any quarterback out there. You could see Shador go for a, a stupid, stupid stat line in a game just because of the weapons that he has on offense. So I would, I would always take the chance with Shador unless he's playing a team like Oregon or Washington. So um, I will say if I had to pick two defenses for my team, I would pick UCLA's defense right now over Oregon's defense. They're doing really well. And a lot of people uh, – They've won games because of their defense. A lot of people don't know that. So we're moved down to running backs here. You know, we see Rasheen Ali because you really don't sit him if he's playing. We mentioned earlier in the injury segment, he is questionable. And he didn't play last week, and it was a surprise to many. 
including myself. So I, I think uh, he's someone you got Blake Watson coming off of an injury, but he did put up 21 last week, the week before you were really sad because he played for like a play and uh, <laughs> then set out the rest of the game. And really similarly was Nate Noel who played for like a play, got one point and then zero last week. So he's probable to play this week against the number 128th rushing defense um so man uh if you have somebody like you know let's say quinshawn judkins um Mm -hmm. in a game where you know maybe he plays a half and they rest him maybe not um you know they're starting to run bentley a bit more and he's looking really good as as the uh you know the RB2 in that offense, would you start Judkins over any of those guys listed above him? Oh, man. Matters who it is. Obviously, you're not starting anybody over Genty or Gordon. Um, Quinshaw Judkins is a hard guy to get out of the lineup. Um, Yeah, he would be because, you know, especially if you've had him in a dynasty league where he helped carry your team last year. Um, hasn't been up to that standard. He's only averaging 17 and a half fantasy points a game right now. Um, tough to sit him though against Vanderbilt. Uh, that's, that's one where I had a really hard time kind of placing him there as the number 11 start this week. I get, so one I find interesting, can you explain <clears> – <throat> Marquise Irving at 14 against the number six rush defense in football when Oregon also has such a dynamic pass offense. Why would, why, why, what's your logic behind putting him at 14? Well, he's a good pass catcher too. And I think, I think while Utah is good um, defensively and they are at home, they're terrible on offense right now. Uh, Again, forget what you saw last week uh, against USC where they put up 34. Their last two conference games against Cal and I think Oregon State, they put up seven offensive points in each of those games, which is like heavy Oregon in terms of time of possession and all that stuff. And Oregon's defense is obviously pretty solid. So um, I don't know what all Utah is going to be able to do. I think uh, Irving and company will be able to kind of pull away like I'm going out to Vegas, uh, flying out Friday. Um, like I, I'm pretty sure, you know, when I get there and when I'm all hyped up about Florida, Georgia, we'll see what games I bet on. But of all the games that I'm going to bet, I'm going to take USC. Let's see. What's the spread there? USC minus, sorry, not USC. Absolutely not. Oregon minus six and a half against Utah. Um, I, I like that spread a lot, and I think Oregon's going to have the opportunity and the time of possession to put up some fantasy points there. You see he's averaging 23 a game, which would put him top five on the season-ish. Uh, Not quite top six or so. But, uh, yeah, I, I, there's plenty of people that are, I would start over him, but uh, more, more likely than not, I'm not starting people over him. So if we go back and look at your top two guys that are out there, I think this is a, is something good for those of you that are out there that are looking at this and going, what are all these numbers that follow the players' names? Uh, this just goes to show you, you can look at two guys in Genty and Gordon, one that has been consistent all season putting up big numbers, and another guy that started the season slow but is now just starting to blow up. If you look at Genty and you look over, you got your fantasy points for game. Uh, the CFPDynasty.com um, site is going to give you the, the last three game scores for a player. You see Genty's got 230 points for the season. Week six, he had a down week at 15. Week seven, he was at 45. He was off last week. So you can see that even just by those two numbers, if he had 230 points a game, that leaves 170 points more than he scored earlier in the season. Ollie Gordon, on the other hand, he's averaging 24 points a game, but week six, he had 20. Week seven, 45.9. Week eight, 57. So you've got so 100. he's on the path then, right? So week yeah. nine, he's going to be like 74. Absolutely. Is the, is the trend. Yeah. So, right. yeah. So you, can, yeah so you can, yeah. So you can see how, you can see how 
the algorithm that is there is saying, here's a guy that's consistent that we think is going to stay consistent. Here's a guy that is hot as an inferno right now. We think is going to stay hot as an inferno, but that's how you can use that, that trailing with three weeks to your advantage. Uh, because just because somebody has got a lot of fantasy points for the year, that doesn't mean that they're performing well now or vice versa. So that's just a way to be able to use this spreadsheet and, and use it to your advantage. You kind of make me rethink like uh, the name of this. It's it's, tip, it's really more of a weekly power rating than a ranking because that that's literally the case. As I, as you're going through, like if let's say I have all of these guys on my roster, which ones am I going to start? And and it's just a a weekly different thing based on matchups. And yes, how how hot you are, like Kyrie Robinson's another one <clears throat> against Hawaii. Great matchup this week. He goes 21, 48, 24. Love the running backs there. Let's move along to receivers where we have some less good matchups for some of the top guys like a Troy Franklin, like uh, Jamari Thrash, uh, Torrey Horton, um, Malik Washington's got a tough matchup. Uh, Silas Bolden <coughs> has been hot, but has a, a you know mediumly difficult matchup there. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of, uh, tough starts here early on, but you know, up at the top, like, you know, reseller Rick, you got a good with the number one and number two guys here. Um, I couldn't sit those guys, you know, you got Marvin Harrison up there. Trey Harris is coming back healthy and is the primary target in that offense. I expect them to get him going. Um, early against Vanderbilt and then Colin Lacey, who's a, a feature of that offense, uh, South Alabama, and they get him involved early and often. And hopefully he scores like four and a half touchdowns this week. Hopefully not. Um, so a question for you, Doug, um, if you had, let's say a Tory Horton. Yep. Um, would you be able to start like like where would you have ranked him here in this this top twenty one, um, or if you had to choose Horton or Worthy, who would you go with? Um, I'm going with probably with Worthy, based off matchups and based off the fact that he will potentially beat you deep at any moment, um, and. Malik Murphy has the arm talent to be able to do that as well. Um, Horton's just playing a really good defense, and he didn't he didn't have a good week last week either. Um, yeah, he's gone 15, 18, and 6 the last three weeks. Um, they're playing an undefeated Air Force team that basically wins because their defense scores touchdowns. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so. I, would, I, would, I would say too there that, that – Air Force is probably going to be holding the ball a lot longer there. They're well known for having an offense that just grinds out and takes a lot of time off the clock. So there's probably going to be less opportunities for Horton to have the big plays where Rorthy is probably going to be on the field a little bit more just because of the difference between the BYU offense and the Air Force offense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, although I believe Horton is the – if they score points, Horton's probably involved in some way. You know what I mean? But, man, that Air, that Air Force defense just looks so good. And like like you said, Matt, their offense is literally – it's like they play a game of keep away with teams that they play. They just run. So that's a scary start. I, I still like Horton because of his overall talent. I think he's great. But it's just a scary start with Air Force. Yeah, yeah, all, all good. So appreciate it. That uh, that'll wrap up the rankings. Those are all live. We got tight ends, kickers, defenses up there. Um, we get those published um, normally on Tuesdays now because we have Tuesday games. So um, that's all up there. You can get to them from the top navigation rankings, CFF Week Nine, and um, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, up there and ready to roll. All right, so we got two segments left in this show. We're going to talk about the DFS host battle, and then we're going to end with 
th- what we did with our last week's brisket lock, and then we're going to give you this week's brisket locks. So, uh, BMAC, you want to pull up the uh, DFS host battle? We can go from there. DFS host battle. All right, so last week I was able to pull off the uh, my third victory of the year. So real quick, Doug, this involves you here. So Doug and myself are currently tied for first, not second, but tied for first, Doug, in the DFS host battle with three wins apiece. BMAC is in last place in the DFS host battle, crushing him with only two. But uh, yeah, last week last week I had uh, had Ollie Gordon, and uh, Ollie Gordon definitely uh, definitely helped make it not a whole yeah. lot of a battle. But we did we did all score a lot of points, unlike the week before where we barely were getting to a hundred. Last week we all we all at least showed that we deserve to be be having a, a DFS lineup. I mean a, a DraftKings lineup. So uh, BMAC, do you want to start this week and tell everybody who your lineup is for the upcoming week? Yeah, yeah. Got to have a win here. So um, I'm going cheap at quarterback right off the bat. Uh, Take in Malik Murphy and just hoping he gets a a rushing touchdown or two, maybe a deep shot to uh, Worthy or four. And then at running back, I've got R.J. Harvey for UCF on a, uh, you know, getting a ton of touches, uh, 612 yards, 18 or eight touchdowns, sorry, on the ground. Um, also involved in the passing game a little bit, but not as much as, as you would think in that offense. But I like him this week at home against West Virginia. <coughs> Can we get a breakout performance from a guy who is supposed to be uh, one of the best running backs in the country? At home, you've got your feeling, uh, you know, alleviated from not alleviated from the loss but you know like there's a release there okay you've you've had your first loss of the season against ohio state can nick singleton bust one or two this week at home in happy valley against indiana 136th against running backs and then i've got javon baker at 5900 arles boardingham uh for 4400 a cheapo uh gators tight end there (laughs) and feature one of the featured players of the offense as of late and DraftKings, uh, I think doesn't correctly reflect uh, how involved he is. And then Evan Stewart rolling with him against that, uh, hapless South Carolina defense. And he's only 5,800 hasn't had a great connection, um, at quarterback yet since they had to make the switch from Wegman and then Jordan waters for Duke. Um, 6,400 is in my flex and my super flex is uh, Drew Aller. So we'll see how that Penn State offense can do. Um, and they obviously have to get it rolling as they get ready for Michigan, who you guys have this week. Doug, I'll go next since last week I didn't even have my lineup ready when we started so that way I can yeah. tell my lineup before you have to give up your lineup. So um, this week I went with a five-wide formation. I've got five wide receivers uh, in my lineup. Uh, I started off with Bo Nix uh, at quarterback, 9,800, one of the, the highest dollar amount players that's out there. Running back, I uh, went with Jonathan Brooks uh, from Texas at 7,500. And then I actually went with um, Josh Henderson from Indiana. I took him at 4,100. I needed to get somebody that had a low dollar amount in there. Xavier Worthy. From Texas, I got 6,800. Jamari Thrash from Louisville, 6,100. Had to go with my man, Man Jack, again after he had a, a stellar performance for me last week. Uh, Joseph, Joseph Man Jack, not the first, not the second, not the fifth, but the fourth for Houston uh, at $5,700. Uh, then at Flex, another wide receiver, Jaheim Bell from Florida State at just 4,200 because I needed to fill in the spot. And then my super flex, Nick Anderson from Oklahoma. Um, I felt like he was quite undervalued at 5,800. Uh, he had 30.5 points last week. So uh, I think he's going to have another big game, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But that's my lineup. Doug, what about you? All right, so quarterback, I went Will Howard at 8,500. 
Um, I know that they've been splitting times between the two, but he he had a great passing game uh, last week, and they play Houston, so I think that'll continue. Um, then, Brian, don't hate me. Running back, one of the spots, I went to Juwan Edwards. Oh, yeah. Um, at 7,300 against Florida. And Florida had, you know, one game where they showed they can stop the run, and then I don't know where that run defense went after that. But um, we'll see. If if Florida's run defense shows up and stops the run, I will lose DFS, and I don't care. So uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> then you've <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Then I went with Treshawn Ward. Um, against Houston, um, then one of my uh, my streamers, I went Omega Black or Blake from South Carolina against Texas A and M at thirty eight hundred. Then a kid I've had in a couple lineups who's done pretty well for me lately. I went with Tez Johnson from Oregon. Mm. Um, I think Utah is gonna try to stop Franklin, and I think Johnson is gonna be uh, Bo Nix's outlet uh, this week, and then. I agreed with you, Brian. I went with Evan Stewart against South Carolina because that defense, uh, kind of like USC, can't really stop anybody. Um, and then my flex, I went Marcus Major, running back from Oklahoma at 4,900. And my super flex, I went John Rice Plumley against West Virginia. So, Doug, I think this is the first week all year that you and I do not have a single player the same on our rosters. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's very interesting. That means you're probably going to whip my butt and you're probably going to bring home the championship again this week. <laughs> or or it's right. Brian's week. Maybe we'll all go three wins. You never know. So uh, that's our DFS or our, our DraftKings lineups for this week. So real quick, before we move on to our brisket locks, so William Dong answered – the question we had from him, what is he talking about about two times? William Dog says, I normally listen to you guys through the podcast app, and most things I listen to at double speed. So that's what I'm talking about. Dog wants to uh, he wants to make sure he's making the best use of his time. He's that's like, I'm right. just going to listen to it on that's fast forward, get, a, get an hour podcast done in 30 minutes, and it's, it's all going to hit your brain waves the same. That's, that's pretty smart. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by that. So that's, that's kind of like speed reading for the ears. Thirty-one twenty-four. He also said, "So that's a lot of points there, Mister Dong, Dong Father, as we call him." <laughs> All right, so we are we are just over the hour mark. We need to wrap this thing up. BMAC, are you ready for the final segment? Let's talk about the brisket lock. It's time for the brisket lock. Can I cleanse so myself be- real quick? Yeah. With Nick Singleton. Uh, last week was rough, right? I, I had a guy that had seven targets and four catches for 35 yards or something. Like in a PPR league, you're looking at six, seven points, and you can't have that out of a brisket lock. Uh, what is the brisket lock? Well, it's an off-the-radar kind of player, someone who's not projected to be you know, a top of the line fantasy player this week. And I'm going with a 14.3 average fantasy points per game. Nick Singleton at home against Indiana. Penn State is going to need to cleanse themselves too with a big win at home. And I think they'll do that in the air and on the ground. And if Singleton can, uh, he'll have some opportunities to, to bust some against the 108th run defense in the country in Happy Valley. Doug, what about you? So uh, last week, I kind of felt the the punch in the gut like Brian did. I went with Farouk, who had five targets for three receptions and 23 yards and three rushes for 16. So, you know, solid, solid performance if you're me. Um, and, but you're not Farouk, so way to suck it up for me, buddy. But um, I'm going with Pofele Ashlock, receiver from Hawaii this week. Um, they are playing San Jose State, who's got a pretty decent defense. But at the end of the day, Ashlock, help me rise from the ashes, buddy, because I haven't had very many 
good brisket locks this year. I, I hope Ashlock does well because I've got him in, I think, every league that I'm in. Yeah, um, like you need him to do well, whatever. <laughs> so uh, last week, <laughs> last week I felt pretty good. Like I almost didn't want to pick a brisket lock this week, kind of like the guy that goes in and wins the big pot at poker. Um, once you win the big pot, you like – like you know what? I why do I want to bet? I'm gonna come. I'm gonna lose or something. But I had Ollie Gordon as my brisket lock last week. 26 attempts, 282 yards, four TDs, 57 points. I almost went with Will Shipley this week just because he's playing NC State and and <laughs> NC State has the You're ability just to. It more confusing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but I but the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I decided to be nice to BMAC. I pulled Will Shipley off after I typed him in. I'm going to go with my guy, Joseph Manjack, the fourth from Houston. Uh, his seeing his targets increase, he's seeing his involvement increase in that offense. Um, I think the magic, he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to be up there getting uh, Washington receiver numbers. But I think if you've got Manjack and you've got him as a wide receiver three or as a flex, um, he might be somebody that can help you like he did for me last week and get over that hump and possibly help you get to a W. NC State is averaging only allowing 3.5 yards per rush. So they're not bad. They're 27th in the country and this game is at NC State. Clemson coming <laughs> off of a tough and loss. Clemson, man, they're disappointing. But uh, I, I'm just going to battle this all week. We will probably uh, see BMX lineup change at least four times. Worthy or Shipley? <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, uh, I'm leaving Worthy in there for now. But I think uh, wherever you start, I hope they fall on their face. <laughs> Thanks, I'll stab you in the throat. All right. Oh, man, I haven't been <laughs> right now. Let's do this. Send you to Vegas with a black eye. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. So that is the show for this week. Uh, BMAC, are you guys going to be doing the show on Saturday with you traveling, or are you guys taking the week off? That's questionable. As of right now, um, I don't think i would be able to be a part of it if it happens so i think saturday we probably won't do it unless you yeah. guys what uh, i will, what I will probably or... do there's no way i can do it saturday either my nephews yeah. have two soccer games and there's just no way um so what i will do is i will be on active at, as active as i can on the discord uh with I'll, I'll make sure that i do post the updated injury notes saturday morning or friday night if i have to um, I plan on taking Friday off so I can be as active as you guys need me to be on Friday on discord. So, but next week's show, I'll still be in Vegas. I'm going to try and <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know exactly what my background would be. Normally would stay like on a strip at the, at a hotel or whatever. But this year we did a, an Airbnb. So I'll probably be from there. I was hopeful to just be able to like walk down or go down the elevator and go to a sports book, uh, which would have been great. But don't know if I'm going to be able to make that happen. It might just have to be a little bit earlier next week. We'll talk about it and figure that out. All right. Yeah, next week's going to be interesting. We're heading into, for most leagues, the final week of the college fantasy regular season. So uh, probably within next week. Probably next week or the week after, we're going to be talking about the guys that were the surprises and the guys that were the disappointments in the regular season as we head into the playoffs. So uh, we'll see what we do. We'll see what we're able to, to make happen with BMAC doing some traveling during the week. But uh, on behalf of Doug Gravely and Brian McElfresh, my name is Matt Knowles. We thank you guys for coming out to the CFBDynasty.com podcast. Make sure you guys like and subscribe on all of our socials. Make sure you're supporting and you're liking and you're sharing so that that way we can uh, beat the algorithms. Once again, thank you guys. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to the CFB Dynasty podcast. Help us out by subscribing on YouTube and reviewing us on your podcast network.